This is the Gospel for Life, where we have four Treasure Valley pastors committed to showing that the gospel is not just for that religious part of your life, but for all of life. You never graduate from the gospel. Around the table today is Russell Herman, pastor at Cloverdale United Reformed Church, Jonathan Van Hoogen from Dayspring United Reformed Church, Vinnie Hanke from Valley Life Community Church, and Ryan Hemphill from Treasure Valley Reformed Presbyterian Church. To catch earlier broadcasts, just search The Gospel for Life wherever you subscribe. To find out more about this ministry and about our annual conference, go to ReformationBoise.com. Welcome back to The Gospel for Life. We are working our way towards Christmas and talking about names and titles of Christ. And today we are thinking about the idea of Jesus as King, or if you want, Jesus as Lord. And in Matthew 2, 2, we read, as the wise men are coming to Herod, and they ask, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? So what are we to do with this title of king and Lord? What does it mean? What's its historic or biblical context? Why does it matter? First of all, I think you have to appreciate the boldness of the wise men. I mean, they're going into King Herod's court and they're saying, hey, tell us where the king of the Jews is. But uh, they're... Particularly if you know a little bit about uh, (laughs) (laughs) Herod, you know, somebody said that uh, you were safer being Herod's pig rather than his son. And of course, (laughs) nobody ate pig back then. (laughs) But uh, Herod had a way of knocking off his his children. But it, it shows, I mean... We, we talked a little bit about it in the Son of David episode, but I mean, he is the rightful king. I mean, it was, and it's, and it's a title that was even by Pilate placed upon his cross, you know, the king of the Jews. And uh, he is sovereign and, and, and Lord overall. Yeah, it's, it's you know, the, the Hebrew word was melech, uh, the Greek word is basileos, and the emphasis on being a king is the emphasis on his ruling and his reigning, of his having dominion over all things, the omnipotence that comes with uh, that title. He, he, he ru- rules over creation and uh, reigns by his word. So when we're referring to Jesus Christ, we're, we're – as king, we're referring to those aspects of kingly office. You know, he's king, he's the prince of peace, he's the ruler, he's the judge, he's the head of the church, he has royal dignity, which is really interesting because his lowly birth makes it an unlikely title, mm-hmm. you know, that, that he has this, but he's more worthy of that title than anyone else. The scriptures are going to speak of Jesus as king of kings, lord of lords. Superlative. Yes. Yeah, yeah, superlative king, superlative lord. How does that – there are times when we go through life right now where it doesn't seem like that is true. So help the listener who's struggling with that reality in their life where they say, okay, in my mind I know he's the king of kings and lord of lords, but in my life it doesn't feel feel like it so help help that listener yeah, i think we talked about a previous episode when jesus comes in and uh, commissions the disciples he says all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me and so we can be assured that that christ does have all authority now he possesses all of that authority 
However, there, there's going to be a point in time in the future in which that authority will be fully realized by all of creation when Christ returns in the second advent. Until that point, uh, God in his sovereignty has uh, administered and delegated some of that authority to lower authorities. So we think of parents in the home, we think of employers in the uh, workplace, we think of uh, police and governments in your state or nation. Those that those lower authorities then either have the ability to act righteously and honor God as stewards of the authority or act unrighteously. I think for the listener who's struggling with ungodly lower authorities is to, to look and climb the ladder spiritually and to recognize that, that nothing has happened uh, outside of the authority of Christ, even when ungodly lower authorities use that authority to oppress or abuse those under their care. There will come a day when they, they will answer for that, and they, they will find justice. Uh, until then, we, as Christians, particularly when that happens to us, that as we suffer at the hands of an unrighteous lower authority, we have an opportunity to experience a little bit of what Christ did mm. when he subjected himself to ungodly lower authorities, even Pilate himself at his crucifixion. Jesus says, you don't take my life from me, I lay it down willingly. Mm-hmm. And so in that moment, I think we have the benefit of, of being sanctified, being mm-hmm. made like Christ, giving a, a, just a small clue in a unique way, uh, because ultimately Christ suffered as a righteous one, and we never suffer as righteous, we suffer as unrighteous sinners. But in that moment, we can A, uh, look to Christ's authorities supreme, that there, there'll be an, uh, an accountability for those authorities that might be oppressing us. And then two, look to our sanctification and say, I, I, I'm walking closer to Jesus' footsteps as I suffer under an ungodly or unjust authority. Yeah, and, and, and to that, you know, th- this may be easier said than done, but keeping the, um, kind of the, the long game in view, yeah, understanding that God has a plan and it is being worked out and unfolded nobody can stay his hand nobody can say you know stop and no further i mean his plan will unfold as he has decreed and to what Vinny just pointed out you know jesus himself the righteous man suffering under unrighteous rulers and that was yet for the ultimate good purposes of god to bring us salvation so the suffering that we endure even what appears to be, you know, what evil men reigning and ruling and power, all that is God working out his plan that we may not understand it, but we can have confidence that he is undo- he is doing it. So his plan. Sorry. I, I, I didn't want to like leave it there doing it like yeah, yeah, yeah. wicked evil things, but yeah, just yeah, his yeah. plan is good plan. So I, I eventually have a point. So just stick with me for a little while, and then eventually I think I have a point. Let's just phrase up. it that way. Um, oftentimes when you ask people, like, what is your favorite Old Testament passage or scripture or whatever else it might be, um, you hear a whole variety of things. It's interesting to me that what the Holy Spirit as he inspired the writing of the New Testament, what he went back and grabbed, if you will, for the most significant text of the Old Testament that he wanted the the New Testament writers to write about was Psalm 110. Mm -hmm. The most quoted passage of Scripture from the Old Testament into the New Testament. I have lived over 50 years and engaged with Christians throughout my entire life. I have never met anybody that has said Psalm 110 verse 1 is my favorite passage of Scripture. 
but it seems like it might be the Holy Spirit's favorite Old Testament text. And it's this, the Lord says to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. Mm -hmm. Why was that so important for the first century church, and why was it so important that the Holy Spirit bring that into the New Testament for us? There's such encouragement in those verses because the church has always experienced and will always experience to a certain degree opposition and persecution. Jesus's last, some of his last words to his disciples as a, as a whole group were in, in, in John 15 talking about how the world will hate you because it has hated me. And uh, there will always be this opposition. And so this should be a great source of comfort for the church in all ages. Because as Jesus himself points out, we have here, I mean, the, the, the Trinity, you know, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit all in one verse. When he points out to those around him that David in the Holy Spirit said, the Lord, which if you don't have your Bibles open as you're driving, hoping you're, you don't, um, is all caps, which is Yahweh, his covenant name. So the Lord says to my Lord, but speaking of the Christ, um, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. So you have in this verse, the triune God working out his victory and the advancement of his kingdom, the gospel going forward and conquering the earth. The author to Hebrews quotes the Psalm 110 throughout the, the book. Some have even maintained that the book of Hebrews is an exposition of Psalm 110. I think that's probably a little aggressive hmm. because there are so many other Psalms that the, the author to Hebrews brings out Psalm 2, Psalm 110, Psalm 40, Psalm 8. But in Psalm 8, Psalm 8 has some Psalm 110 ring to it in the fact that, this is in Hebrews 2, he's putting everything in subjection under his feet. And the idea is that that's because he's king, that's because he's Lord, that he's ruling over everything and everything is beneath him. And then the author to Hebrews says this, now in putting everything in subjection to him, he left nothing outside his control. At present, we do not yet see everything in subjection to him. And to me, that's such a pastoral text. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That, okay, he's, he's reigning over everything. Then why is my life out of control? Yeah. Why are the circumstances of my life feel so chaotic and sometimes even meaningless? If Christ is in control, shouldn't my life have a little bit better stability to it? Mm-hmm. So pastorally walk that person through those moments. I mean, we, we still live in a uh, fallen world. I mean, we're still feeling the effects of sin. And, and these promises that uh, have been given ultimately to Christ is that as his, you know, his enemies are being brought underneath him, and, you know, in, in, in when you look into our own lives, um, this also can have a personal application in that as Paul struggles in Romans 7 with his own war that's wait, being waged in him for his old nature and also his, his new nature in Christ, there is a very real sense in which our old nature is a very, you know, it, it's a very close enemy. And so throughout our lives, 
after coming to Christ, God is continually bringing our old nature into subjection under the feet of Christ. And that is what we call our sanctification. He's making us more like Jesus. And so one of the things that we try to pray you know, at our church is that God would enable us to see his victory more in our lives. And um, I love how the psalm ends, too. We're talking about the first verse, but at the end, he will drink from the brook all the way, therefore he will lift up his head. It's speaking, that's it, a picture of a, of a victorious king who's conquered his enemy. He goes, he refreshes himself in the brook, and he lifts up his head in victory. And uh, that's, that's a great hope that we have, even though right now it can seem dark and disturbing. The other day we talked about uh, Christ's anointed offices, you know, one of them being king and uh, the question that the Westminster Short Catechism asks is, how does he execute this office as king? And we're told that he does this in calling out of the world a people to himself. You know, I mean, he, you know, he, he by, by his authority, by his kingship, he, he calls people to himself. He gives them officers, laws, and censures. He visibly governs them in bestowing saving grace upon his elect. He rewards their obedience. He corrects them for their sins. He preserves and supports them under all their temptations and sufferings. He restrains and overcomes all their enemies. He powerfully orders all things for his own glory. So ultimately, um, you know, he is going to come back as the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords that we find in Romans, uh, Revelation 19. He's going to come as that dramatic king, but he's, he told Pilate, my kingdom is not of this world. And so we're looking for a king to return to bring us all the way home. Well, you've been listening to the Gospel for Life. We'll see you tomorrow. <laughs>